0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, tonight we're continuing where we left off last week. And last week, believe it or not, we made it through verse 5. And so we're going to be jumping in right around verse 6. But let's do this. Let's read together 1 through 5, and then, and then we'll kind of go through what we talked about last week without really getting into it. So it says this. David is writing, and he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is always before me, Against you and only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. David is repenting from his sin with Bathsheba. David is a hero in the faith, and when he should have been out with the kings in battle, he decided to stay home, and one day after taking a nap, he gets out of his bed, he looks over the balcony, and he sees, hubba hubba, it's Bathsheba. And he thinks she's she's just a knockout. And what he does is he invites her up to the palace. Now, the problem is, is Bathsheba's married. Bathsheba's married, and her husband is actually at war. And why she's taking a bath in the middle of the afternoon, knowing what time David actually wakes up, is beyond us. But nonetheless, David says, Hey, he'll get Bathsheba, bring her up. I'd like to have a little chat with her. But that wasn't his intent. So he brings her into the palace, he has sex with her, and he thinks, Oh, All's good. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, and we don't know how many times or how long or how most, but nonetheless, what happens is Bathsheba comes back to David and says, I'm pregnant. And David goes, oh, no. I'm so busted. I'm so busted. But I've got a plan. I've got a plan. (laughs) Because I'm the king, I've got a plan. So he says, hey, go get call Uriah have him come home hey Uriah how you doing buddy how's it going how's the things up front really wow good fight you're doing a great job hey listen why don't you take a break uh Bathsheba's at home she's been waiting I've been hearing some stuff she's been waiting for you why don't you go home well Uriah doesn't Uriah doesn't go home and so King David is now getting frustrated and he wrote and he reverts to plan b you know what plan b is let's get the dude drunk Let's get him drunk and then he'll go home and, and he'll have sex with his wife and then and then it'll be his baby and I'll be off the hook. Well, guess what? Uriah says, no, 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 I'm not going to go home. How can I go home and I'm going to sleep here on the on the step because my brother's are in battle and he still does it. So what does David do? He goes to plan C. You know what plan C is? Murder. Murder. He tells them, and can you imagine, he's got to cover. Guys, David is going to Great Lakes to cover his sin. But the Bible says this to you and to I. Your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. I have gone to great lengths to cover my sin. And the Bible says your sin will find you out. So guess what? All of a sudden he gets report and he says, Uriah is dead? Okay. So, sweetie, um, your husband died. Why don't you come marry me? And Bathsheba said, Okay. Well, Nathan the prophet comes in. You guys know the story. Nathan the prophet comes in, and he says, hey, guess what? He tells him a story, and and he looks at David, and David's like, kill the man who did this little sheep. He says, David, you're the man. He goes, I didn't take anybody's sheep. He goes, no. And he explains to him what he did. David at this point realizes, I'm caught. I'm caught. I wonder, guys, think about what David says. And I wonder why he had to go to plan C and why we don't just run to God in plan A. I made a mistake, Lord. I'm so sorry. It's human nature to try to cover our sin and cover our tracks, and nobody will know. But you know what the Bible says? That while David lived like this, guys, that, that basically his bones were rotting inside him. The, the guilt of knowing what he's done, David was feeling like just an old, oh, old soul. So David is confronted with his sin, and I love what he writes. Because he penned Psalm 51, and he says, have mercy, upon, have mercy on me, O God. And he says, According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of what? Your tender mercies. You see that's such a contrast than when we confess our sin to God because what I tend to do maybe you do it too is I sit there and i go hey um God forgive me I I made a, I I've sinned against you but let me let me give you my resume of how good I was before then and what I've done for you See God I witnessed to this person I led this person to the Lord and uh, I gave money to the homeless guy and by the way I bought groceries for the single mom I did all of but so so we're good David doesn't do that. David realizes that sin, all sin, is against God. And he falls upon God's mercy. And he says, according to what? According to your tender mercies. And then he says, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly, and cleanse me. And here's what I love. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is always before me. He says, I acknowledge. I acknowledge my transgressions. Listen to me, church, it's not enough just to confess our sins, we need to repent from our sins. A lot of times we confess, yep, did it, yep, yep, I'm sorry, that's me, yep, and then we continue to do it. Somebody says, hey, you're busted, and you go, yeah, but I, I confessed that, no, David repents, he's going, my sin is always before me, he says, against you and you, and 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 we talked all about that last week. You see, listen, church. Jot this down. True repentance. True repentance is when David says, "Against you, you only, you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight." You go, no, no, no. Time out. He he did that against Bathsheba. He 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 slept with Bathsheba. That's sin. And then he killed Uriah. He murdered. No, no, no. See, that's the whole thing, guys. Whenever we sin, although it may surround people, we sin against God. We have to grasp that. We have to grasp that. David says, that you have sinned against, and I've done evil. And even though it involved other people, it was against God. And I find it very interesting when we confess that we must confess both to God and to, and to people. We must must get our vertical right. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've made a mess. And then you go to somebody and say, Melanie, please forgive me. I sinned against you. I was talking behind your back. I was, whatever it might be. David gives us some great instruction. He gives us some great instruction. The second thing is, David tells God, David tells God, you have all the facts before you, and whatever you decide is fair. Isn't that a foreign concept to Christianity? Because oftentimes, God has all the facts, and I'm still pleading my case. Well, well, hold up, hold up, and this is why, and, and here I am, and please, and, 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 and the, David's like, look, here, Lord, you see everything, but according to your tender mercies, this is what I want you to do. Um that you may be found when you speak and blameless when you judge. Lord, you have all the facts, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Think about this. We talked about it last week. Whenever we get caught in sin and the consequences are inevitable, we often tell God, it's not fair. It's not fair. In confessing his sin, David recognizes that he sinned against God himself. He acknowledges God's right to judge him. Lord, you you have every right. And then he goes on in verse 5, and we looked at it last week. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin, my mother was conceived. And, and here's what I want you to see, guys, and jot this down. I think it's great application for us. Notice that David makes no excuses, but recognizes the iniquity has been since birth. He's not going, well, this is why, but he goes, listen, this is who I am. And in doing so, he does not condemn his mother or conception. Rather, he confesses the extent of his iniquity. Do you understand the difference? Okay? Do you understand the difference? Um, David isn't making excuses. He's not going, well, I've been a sinner all my life. Of course I'm going to do that. And see, we do that at times. We go, well, I'm a sinner, therefore I sin, so I guess I'm going to sin. This is why I sin. David's not saying that. He's going, no, 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 I understand that I've been. Now, And, and here's how it should be in our lives. There should be a battle, guys. There should be uh, opposing forces. You, your flesh may want to sin. Your flesh may want to run after you. May And your spirit's going, no, 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 no. I don't want to do this thing. There's that fight, and there should always be that fight. And if there's that fight in your life, and you're going, man, I'm miserable because I don't want to sin, and I end up sinning, but I don't want to, and you're fighting, then, man, I say, praise God. But here's the thing that scares me more than anything. When you can sin and nothing happens in your heart. Nothing. When you go... And you get caught, and the Holy Spirit begins to knock on you, and you're just like, no, that's just who I am, man. That's, that's, just, that's, how, that's how God made me. So there has to be that, that struggle. Oh, okay? Because there's an inner civil war between our flesh and our spirit. Our spirit is willing to praise the Lord and walk with Jesus. Our flesh wants to run off and do its own thing. It wants its what? It's sin, iniquity, and transgressions. We talked about that last week. I think about what Isaiah said. Isaiah in 65, or Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5 in the New Living Translation says this. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's army. You know what? This is what, this is what he's saying. Isaiah just, uh, has just reiterated what David is feeling. He says, guys, we're sinful. We're sinful. We're sinful. In verse 6, he says, Behold, you desire the truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you make me known to wisdom. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you desire, it, you desire truth in the inward parts, And in the hidden part, you will make known in wisdom. What's David saying here, guys, in verse 6? He says, sincerity and truth are what you require to fill my mind with your wisdom. Sincerity and truth. I want us to see something here that's so key. You go, what's that, Pastor? I want us to see that David is not merely sorry. He's not merely sorry. Sorry. He's not sorry he got caught. He's not sorry, sorry that he hurt people. But we have to see that David is truly repentant. Now, listen what the Word of God says. The Word of God says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says this, For the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Now we have a choice set before us, church. When we sin, when we talk about sin, when we when we miss the mark, when we step over the line, or even more importantly, in iniquity, when we know where the line is, but we choose to do it anyway, And we get convicted. First of all, that's a beautiful thing. That's the Holy Spirit bringing us to a place that we should repent. And we go, okay, I want to repent. But what we need to remember is what David is teaching us. What's that? He says there needs to be godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads us to repentance. Repentance is that we turn away from our sin. We're walking one direction. We're doing these things. We go, oh, no, no, this is wrong. I'm going to repent. It's a change of heart, a change of mind. He says that leads to what? That leads to what? Salvation. He says he says but worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Enough to we go where I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And let me illustrate it this way. Repentance is you're going like this. And you go, oh, I'm going the wrong way, I need to turn around, and I come this way, and I make a change. If it's worldly sorrow, we go, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and we keep moving in the same direction. What does that lead to? Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, tells us that leads to spiritual death, guys. The problem is, in our churches today, we don't want to talk about repentance. We don't want to talk about repentance. And here it says, David says, no, no, no. I'm sincerely repentful. And he goes on. Look at verse 7, guys, with me. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Your attention, please. Didn't David say that earlier? You go, he sure did. He did. Why would he say it again? Because I feel like David is feeling the weight, and it's not enough to go, Lord, please, wash me clean. He's going, Lord, Lord, wash me white as no And I love that right here David has an attitude of prayer. Right here it's an attitude of prayer. And he gives us a series of prayers. How so? Well, the first thing in prayer, guys, he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. You know what? Hyssop was the use of this plant is in a ritual. We see it in, in Exodus 12 and Numbers, uh, 19. And it, and it suggests this hyssop is the idea of atonement is prominent here. So he's saying, okay, here's my sin. It's ever before me. Here it is. And he says, oh, take that ceremonial hyssop. And what? And he says, wash me clean. Wash me clean. I, I, I need to stop for just a second. I need to, I need to ask you, how's your prayer life? And sometimes our prayer life is we walk into our prayer closet and we literally start asking God for stuff. Lord Jesus, help me here, help me here, help me, you know, and, and we just lay out a list of demands and we just wait and that's okay. And, and so, and so we go, hey, I prayed for you. I prayed for you. Amen. But David gives us just, I mean, the first thing he comes in, he goes, Lord, look at my heart. I'm so sorry. I've walked in pride. I've I've murdered somebody. I took somebody's husband. God. And not only that, he says, in part of his prayer, he says, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And this signifies complete purity. When you think of snow, it's white. And David's saying, Wash me whiter than that. And if that's not enough, look at the prayer. He says, make me hear joy and gladness. David longs for the joy to replace the guilt he feels for his sin. That's incredible. That's incredible. You go, why? He misses that joy that he once felt. Listen to me, listen to me. Sin, unrepentant sin, unconfessed sin will always rob you of the joy of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, David's going, man, all I did is walk around and I felt like my bones were broken. I felt like I was guilty and... It, my sin was ever before me. Every time I looked at Bathsheba, I saw Uriah, and I saw the family they could have had, and I just didn't know what. What was I thinking? God, you told me to go out with the kings, I decided to stay home, and 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 really, this is oh, my sin was ever before me. And He says, and and and, and Lord, please, I long for the joy. Because the guilt of my sin is wearing me down. And in my prayer, he says, the bones that I, that have broken, the bones you have broken, my rejoice. By forgiving me, he says, I can rejoice once again. Once again. Remember, guys, David felt like he was 100 years old carrying this burden and this guilt. That's why confession is so important. But it's not, come on, it's not confession alone. It's got to be confession married to repentance. It would have been easy for David just to confess, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me, but you know what? This is how you made me. I'm the I'm the king, and so, you know, I can have any subject I want. I can have any girl I want. I'm the king. And Lord, I'm sorry. I mean, sorry she had a husband. I she could have said, I mean, he could have made all these types of excuses, but guys, listen, here's what he said. He said, listen, I, I know this is real because it robbed me of the joy that I had with Jesus. So my question to you on this beautiful Wednesday night is what's robbing you of the joy? you had with Jesus? What's robbing you? What haven't you confessed and turned from? This is is what David says. And part of his prayer, he says, hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Same thought as above, guys, as we talked about last week. David declares sins, plural, guilt and punishment of sins. He's saying he's saying, I can't I can't do that. I know in the story, everyone involved and I could make a case that Bathsheba should have never come up. I could make a case that, 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 that the law said she was married and she could have, she could have said no to the king. I could have made that case. I could make the case that David is the king and he, he can have any woman he wants. He is the king and, and he, he ends up with several wives. You understand, I could make, I could make that case. But when I think of David praying this, I want you to put yourself in his sandals. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. I don't know. I do know. When you hurt somebody, when you hurt somebody, and you have to look at them and see the hurt on their face, that's a lot to take. it's a lot to take and i think i think let's take it that let's take it to the next step david says i can't look on your face lord knowing that i'm not forgiven i can't look and see the hurt that i've caused you lord and i wonder if we even think for just a moment i know i don't so i'm not i'm not some martyr but i wonder for the moment when we decide to to jump in iniquity when we know what's wrong and we go well lord i'm just going to do it anyway that we see us putting the lord back on the cross oh lord i can't look at your face i know that we can't look at somebody we've hurt and and not and 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 know that we've we've hurt them we David says, please, Lord, hide your face. Hide your face from my sins. I don't want to look at your face with my sins ever before me. I don't want to look. What a great prayer. So what should we do? Well, notice what David says. This is the key. This is the the, uh, the heart of the psalm, verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew the steadfast spirit within me. Okay? I can't live without your precious forgiveness. I can't live without, without, I can't look at your face, Lord. You're everything to me. In the real world, God's going to forgive him, but he's still gonna see Bathsheba every day. You know he has to walk in that forgiveness, or he will easily be pulled back into the doubt and depression. Here's Bathsheba. Lord, did you did you forgive me? I took her in as my wife and David, I forgive you. And, and you guys need to walk in that forgiveness as well. Or the enemy will reel you back in to the doubt and the sin and the depression. And you're going to be going, I don't know if I'm really forgiven. And that's what creates doubt in our salvation. David says, Here's the key. Ready? I need a new heart. I need a new heart created me the word create this is a work of an almighty power it's not just like okay well i'm going to hey hey josh i'm going to read a few books and hopefully i'll just i'll do better in my life that's not what he's saying he says i need supernatural help i need i need god created me and and really literally create to me or for me bestow a gift a heart that's free from the taint of sin. That's what he's saying. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart. This has to be a supernatural work of the Lord. And isn't that what salvation is? It's a supernatural work of the Lord. When he comes in and you give him your old heart, your heart full of sin and guilt and shame, and he says, here, I'm going to create a new one and I'm going to give it back to you. Oh! <gasps> That's called the great exchange. Your old heart for a new heart. Dum-dum. 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 dum Oh, Lord, that's not enough. I need you to renew. What's that? It implies that he had possessed it. It's not as, Lord, I need a, new, I need a spirit. He goes, oh, I remember when I walked in your spirit. I remember I felt it renew in me. I, it was essential principle of the new nature that had been lost but its influence had been interrupted. Guys, it's the same thing that we do today. It's the same thing we do today. The Bible tells us that in our sin, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit and and, and, and in our sin without confession. I mean, we remember when we once had it. In the next verse, we're going to look at it a second, but it, it implies, guys, in, in verse 11, it shows that he, that he had not lost God's presence or spirit, although he lost the joy of his salvation. And so he's crying out, God, renew, renew that spirit. Let me have that spirit once again. This is a great psalm. This is a great psalm. And he goes on, notice what he says in verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away. I love, I love David's heart because I wonder, he's, he's pleading to God, I, I don't want to be away from your presence, Lord. We should long. As a deer that pants for the water, we should long to be in the presence of the Lord. We should long to have that, that sweet, sweet presence here. Don't take your Holy Spirit... Think about this, okay, in context. I wonder if David is remembering when God took the Holy Spirit from Saul. I wonder if he's looking, he goes, oh, I remember when Saul and, 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 and God removed the Holy Spirit and Saul, oh my goodness, and now he's, he goes, that's frightening, and he's crying out to God in prayer. He says, don't cast me away from your presence, Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I've got some good news for you. You go, what's that? In the New Covenant, guys, we don't have to worry about this. You go, what do you mean? When we gave our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence in our lives. Now, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, you ready? Can I, can I step on your toes? We take the Holy Spirit into places we shouldn't take the Holy Spirit into. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We invite conversations with the Holy Spirit right there. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how that would look on a practical level? Can you imagine? I'll use uh, Mike O'Reilly because I respect him and love Mike. Um, hey, Mike, what are you doing Friday night? Well, Ben, I don't know. Me and Eva, we're, I'm reading the Bible. We do the same thing we do every night. Well, Mike, listen, if you're not doing anything, I sure would like to invite you down to the club um, where girls take off their clothes. Would you mind coming with me? Ben, are you crazy? Well, Mike, I love you and respect you. Why, why don't you come with me? would i wouldn't do that and yet the holiness of god there we go hey hey but i love the fact guys i love the fact that in the covenant he lives inside us now to me that's either really really good news and sometimes it's really bad news because you're like okay okay Because you think of your last conversation, and guess what? The Holy Spirit was there going, really? Really? Okay. We're going to talk about this to them. Okay. Okay. Boy. Boy, that was some awful language you used there. Whoa. Where'd that come from? But I love when we honor the Holy Spirit, and in our conversations or the places we go, or when we're being attacked by people, how we can respond with love and grace and mercy. That's the Holy Spirit as well. Many of you have experienced the Holy Spirit when he actually grabbed you by the neck and told you, no, we're not going to do this. And you, you know what I'm talking about? Or when you were going to respond with a scathing email and the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to delete that. No, go no, nope. And you delete it and you're glad you did. Or when you were going to respond with that text, and it was, and it was going, to, you were going to go off the chain on that text, and the Holy. We've all experienced that, guys. But you realize that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Let me just tell you what Ephesians four thirty tells us. It tells us we grieve the Holy Spirit by not confessing our sin. By not confessing our sin. Just like a person who grieves over the loss of a loved one, the Spirit is said to be grieved when we sin. This is Ephesians 4, 26-30. And that will not only block the Spirit of God's power, it will actually grieve God, the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important that we confess our sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess, confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now listen, I'm already saved. I've already saved. My sins are forgiven, but I've broken the relationship. I've broken it. Because why, Craig? Why, Craig? Because all sin is against God, right? And so I've broken the relationship, and so I need to confess that. Lord, I've, I've, I've sinned against you. How? By being ugly to my wife. And the Bible says I don't need to be ugly to my wife, and my Bible says that when I'm fighting with my wife, you don't hear my prayers anyway, so I need to get right with Nathalie, and then, and then I can come and I can confess that to you. And I want that to be clean. I want to be clean. I want to be clean. It goes on in verse 12. Notice, restore the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. Guys, he says, he says, give me again the joy that comes from your salvation and make me willing to obey you. That should be our prayer tonight. God. The world is full of pressure. The world is messed up. I, I am just trying my best to live in this world. And I find myself being pulled all different ways. And he says, this is what I should be, our prayer. Our prayer should be like, God, give me the joy that comes from serving you. Give me the joy from the cross. Give me the joy from walking in you. And help me, Lord, make me be willing to obey you. What does that look like? We have to die to self. We have to die to self. We have to die to self. As a matter of fact, let me give you a quick preview of what we're going to look at Sunday. Because Jesus tells his disciples and the crowd, he says, you need to deny me, take up your cross and follow me. Now, we're going to talk about that, but I want you to see the word deny means that you have to, again, all the... Everything that you, your agenda, your desires, you need to deny those things. Now, again, I've got to be careful because God gave you desires and he gave you desires to do things for him. And he's not going to he's not going to give you certain desires and just go, no, you can't have them. That's not what God says. But he says for us, if we're going to be disciples, we have to look at go. okay, these are the things that I want because Peter has want certain things. Okay, Peter wants certain things. Do you know what Peter wants? Peter wants to go to Jerusalem on the Passover, and he wants to take over the world because that's what the rabbis taught. Okay, let's go, Jesus. You're the Messiah. Let's go. And Jesus goes, hey, um, I'm going to die. And Peter goes, no, you're not. Not on my watch. What does Jesus do? Get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What's he saying? He says, then he says, take up your cross. He says, deny. And so, guys, here's here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. To have the joy, the joy that comes from, and be willing to obey him, we have to get to the place where we deny ourselves. And we take up that cross. And we say, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Okay. And then he says, and I will teach, what? What? Sin is your command, and they will turn back to you. Okay? Think about this, guys. When we're restored, when we're restored, a natural feeling is to teach others the joy we now feel. We now feel. Listen, church, when... um, That when we go out and tell others the joy of being restored and redeemed, it's something that we truly experience. You can't help but keep it inside. Now, listen. I'm not saying you have to go and and, and, and expose all your dirty laundry. But you go, you know what? I sinned. When God restores the marriage, when God restores a marriage for His glory, we shouldn't hide that under a bushel. We shouldn't hide it and, oh, well, okay, so what happened? Well, I was really, I did some really dumb stuff, and she did dumb stuff, and we're just like, well, we should be, you know what? God came in and He restored us. And I don't have to tell you all my dirty laundry, but I can tell you what God is doing. And if He did that in our marriage, He can do that in your marriage. And that's what David's getting at. He's going, listen, restore. Let me feel the joy. Let me come back. You know, take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then, man, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. But I don't think David, David didn't coin the phrase, too blessed to be stressed. David said, I messed up. I blew it. Now, remember, remember, this is so key, guys. This is so key, and we've got to take this to heart. David is, although he's, he's got the joy of the salvation, you're going to teach other, I'm going to tell about God, I'm going to say how he's done this, he's still going to experience the consequences of his sin. Now, let me say this to you, okay? This is key. Sometimes God takes away the consequences of our sin, and sometimes he doesn't. You guys with me? You go, well, like what? Well, there are times I pray for people, and I'll pray, and I'll pray this, Anthony. I'll say, God, we want to, we, we, we pray for a hedge of protection. A hedge of thorns of protection. You know why I pray for a hedge of thorns? Well, you go, yeah, because a hedge of thorns keeps the devil out, right? A hedge of protection. But the thorns are pointing inside too, to keep me from, from running away from God. You see, as a, as a hedge, I'm going, oh, 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 I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. And, and again. And again. We have to tell others about the Lord. Look at verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud your righteousness. What is he talking about, the guilt of bloodshed, guys? It's the Hebrew word used here, uh, dam, D-A-M, and it probably refers to the death in this context. Listen, David asserts that, here it is, if God delivers him from death, he will be able to praise his righteousness and his salvation. I think David was the first one that coined the phrase, Lord, if you get me out of this one, I'll pra- I'll serve you and I'll praise you. Anybody ever do that? And when they're in the middle of something, Lord, if you just get me out of this, I'll serve you. And then God gets us out and we don't. But David's like, look, here, here's the deal. God, deliver me from the guilt of what? Of death. And he says, and my tongue, my tongue shall sing aloud. He goes, then I'll just praise you. I'll just praise you. I'll just praise you. Think about this. He says, free me. What's he saying, guys? Free me from the guilt of, what did he do? What's that? He murdered Uriah, didn't he? And he's guilty about that too. He's got to free me. I mean, think about that. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, he says, Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? David, you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites, and stolen his wife. David says, Lord, forgive me, free me from the guilt of murder. I think there's a great principle here real quick that we need to learn, we need to grasp. You go, what's that? Notice that David is specific in his confession. Lord, I sinned with Bathsheba. I killed Uriah. I need your forgiveness. That's so much deeper than, Lord, forgive me. For what? Oh, you know, stuff, things. We need to be specific so we can feel specifically forgiven. Verse 15. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Why? For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Look at verse 16. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice, and God does not delight in sacrifices, listen to me, that are only an outward expression of religion. We do that. When we sin, oftentimes we try to make ourselves feel better by coming to church. And I'm not saying anything about coming to church. Come to church because you hear the word of God. But a lot of times people will just, will just do this out of a religious duty. Well, you know, I really messed up and so I'm going to go to church for a couple of weeks and then I'll make myself feel better and, and I'll be good. And, Davis, and, and the Lord's like, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. I don't, I don't want you to delight in a sacrifice that's just outward, Because we have to deal with the heart. So what are the sacrifices of God? Well, look at verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit instead of a merely ritual sacrifice. God desires that his people trust and rely on him. And a broken and contrite heart is a broken and contrite are people who have the proper attitude and reverence toward God. Lord sorry when it comes to sin confession and repentance we can fool each other can't we but you can't fool god who looks deep in your heart and here's what he's saying he's saying listen you you despise the outward religious part of it but when i when i come to you with all of my heart, and I confess it to you. And I'm broken. Those you won't despise. And then, of course, David concludes, guys, our story with with a national restoration. Look at verse 18. He says, Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, and you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering. And then they shall offer the bulls of your altar. So he's talking, he's saying, he's saying really simple. Make Zion the place you delight in. Repair Jerusalem's broken down walls, and then you will be pleased with our worship. That's what he says. When you and I sin, and we humbly and truly come with confession, the broken walls of our heart are then restored. And when the broken walls of our heart are restored, then we praise God with that joy that we once had. Now as we close, as we close, I want to talk about sin. Because it's not, it's not that something that's out there, it's something that's in here that we must do on a daily basis to recognize it and to confess it. And what we have to do, guys, is when it comes to sin, don't allow any room, don't allow any of it room in your life. Because here's what I want to tell you. Listen to me when I say, sin wants to kill you. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me leave you with this story. There once was a woman who had a pet snake that she loved very much. The snake was about seven feet long. And one day, it stopped eating. After several weeks of trying everything to get the snake to eat, she decided to take the snake to a vet. The woman comes in the vet and she explains the situation to the vet. And he goes, Let me ask you a question. And she goes, What's that? He goes, has the snake been sleeping with you at night, sort of snuggling really close, and then stretching himself out? The woman with a puzzled look said, why, yes. He's been doing that every day, and it makes me so sad that, that I can't help him feel better. The vet says, ma'am, your snake is not sick. He's been preparing to eat you. He's been sizing you up every day so he knows how big he has to be and not eating so he has enough room to digest you. That's what sin does. So tonight, let's take some time to pray and to confess our sin to God. And don't leave here until you know your sin is forgiven. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight that we can look at this prayer of repentance. And our heart right now, Lord, is is to pray, is to confess our sin to you. Lord, with your permission, I would love to sit quietly for the next few minutes. We'll do, we'll do one last song in just a minute, but we want to sit just, just quietly and let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. Right now, church, if there's something in your life that you need to confess, something that you've been um, playing with, Something that you have been um, entertaining it might be something that you're struggled with, struggling with. Take a moment and ask the Lord Lord, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, oh God, make it ever clean, Lord, search it, and help me to see that area that I need, just need to confess to you. Let me say this to you, church, if you're carrying around a pet sin that you think, oh, it's just it's nobody knows it's going to grow up, and it's going to kill you, and your sin is a lot like that snake, it's been sizing you up, and one day it wants to kill you. Would you confess that tonight? It's a beautiful thing to let the Holy Spirit move in our lives. Here's the, here's the thing, guys. I'm not clean. You're not clean. And if we just let the, let the Lord do an incredible work, we can, we can walk here with the joy of, the, of our salvation that we once had. Yes, tonight we're going to close with one song in just a few minutes. And it's a pretty upbeat song, so let's just take some time before God. L- let me ask you this, too. While your heads are down and your eyes are closed and you're praying and you're asking God, maybe there's somebody here or somebody watching online that that um, is not saved. That you've never given your life to Jesus. And... Um, while I was teaching, the Holy Spirit was knocking on your heart and we were talking about sin and you realized that you've never really confessed your sins. You don't have a relationship with God. But maybe tonight He brought you here so you could hear the good news and that you could surrender your life to Him. I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to God, and you don't know where you would spend eternity, and and you hope that maybe by your good works you'd go to heaven, I've got some good news for you. All you have to do is surrender your life to him today and confess your sins and repent and watch what he'll do. He's got a brand new, he's he's got such a better plan for your life than you. But he will never invade your life. He just invites you. You know, well, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, if you're here today and God is speaking to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you say, Pastor Ben? Um, listen, I don't know what's what's going on, but my heart is beating fast, and I feel like I I feel like I'm not right with God and I don't have a relationship with him, and 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 if I'm being honest, I don't know where I would go if I died tonight, but I want to go to heaven. And you were saying some things, and so I want to I want to open up my heart and I want to invite Jesus inside. I want to be saved. If that's you and God is speaking to you, will you just lift up your hand? Would you just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Lift up your hand high enough so I can see it. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I wanna I wanna give my life to Jesus. And it's no mistake that you're here tonight. Would you do that right now? Nobody will see you, God'll see you. Just lift up your hand. God bless you, I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, you see the hand that was raised. And, and, and you're so loving and thank you. And I pray for this precious little sister that raised her hand. And I know, God, you're going to do a great work. And so I pray, if you, if you raised your hand, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Would you just, Would you just say it with all of your heart? Say something like this, Lord Jesus, thank you. I come to you, and I believe in you. I am a sinner. I'm not right with you, but tonight you, you've, you've captured my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, Lord. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me, and Lord, and that you, and that you were buried. And on the third day, you resurrected. And Lord, I repent from my sins, but I'm going to need your help to walk in it. I'm going to need your help. And so I'm asking you to come into my heart, be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose to follow you this day forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. My precious little sister, if you prayed that prayer, know that you're saved, that God loves you, and he's got a plan for your life, and we welcome you into the family of God. For those of you here, don't leave here until you know the Lord. Don't know until you have that joy, till you, till you feel that joy once again. Father, we confess our sin to you. Thank you, Lord, creating us a clean heart O oh God by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for a beautiful night, Lord. It's, the church is more than just blue chairs on a building, Lord. It's us gathered together. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, we want to go out with praise and worship. And uh, we just we just give it to you, Lord. Here's our heart. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, when we grieve you. Forgive us when we don't confess quickly. Help us to walk closer to you. Lord, fill us, fill us afresh today. We ask this in Jesus' name.